Welcome to the Grove Church Podcast and thegrovekc.com. Our mission as a church is to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus Christ. We hope you find today's teaching helpful and encouraging. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning. Uh, mornings like this, I'm uh, reminded of that scripture that says that uh, many are cold, but few are frozen. And I'm not going to get much better than that, you know, so, <laughs> so it is a joy to be with you and to be able to, to fill in or, or to pinch it as I shared with Christian yesterday and we're certainly praying for him and, and hope that he gets to feeling better soon. So as mentioned, I serve as your director of mission. I say it's yours because you are a part of 39 other churches. We have 40 churches that make up Clay Platt Baptist Association, and I have the privilege of serving those churches. And we are all on mission, and you are a part of a collective effort to take the gospel uh, and to network with other churches to be able to reach the Northland and the nations. And so I, I thank you for your support, for your prayers, uh, for your participation, and uh, certainly thankful for uh, Christian as he's a part of uh, the leadership team uh, of our association and uh, focused in on uh, church planting. And uh, so we're, we're thankful for uh, uh, your involvement uh, as well. This morning I'm going to be uh, sharing with uh, you and uh, from a passage of Scripture in John chapter 9. So if you have uh, your, your uh, Word of God with you, your Bible, if you want to open there here in just a moment, uh, we'll be uh, reading from John chapter 10. And we're going to be focusing on uh, the topic, uh, really uh, uh, an identification that Jesus makes about himself as being the door and being the good shepherd. Now, um, for most of us, we probably don't have um, much familiarity with uh, a shepherding. Um, I don't. I mean, I, I grew up in, in an agricultural world, uh, but it was mainly cattle. Uh, and I did have a, a church member that uh, our family went to church with, and he did have some sheep. And so, you know, I knew what sheep was, but uh, really don't know much about shepherding them. Uh, Kind of like uh, the, the story that I heard of, of a shepherd, uh, and he was uh, shepherding his sheep, and he was out uh, leading them, and uh, he was near this, uh, this road, and all of a sudden this, this Porsche, this car, uh, uh, comes and, and comes to a screeching halt. And out of the car is this uh, very well-dressed uh, young man, and uh, he approaches uh, the shepherd leading this rather large uh, flock of, of sheep, and he asked him a question. He says, uh, if I can tell you how many sheep are in your flock, can I have one of them? And the shepherd you know, kind of looked at the fella and looked at his sheep, and he says, well, I, I guess so. Yeah, go ahead. And, and so uh, the young man, he goes back to his car and he pulls out uh, his, his computer and he links up with the GPS and he begins to uh, look at the database and uh, he pulls up some Excel sheets and 
and uh, looks at some algorithms there, and, and he prints out on a, uh, this 10-page this report, and then comes back to the shepherd, and he says, you have exactly 162 sheep. And the shepherd looked at him, and he says, well, I'm very impressed. Go ahead and, and take your animal. So uh, that young man, he grabs one of the animals, and he puts it in the back of his car, and uh, He's getting ready to drive away, and the shepherd says, now, wait a, wait a minute. He says, if I can tell you what your occupation is, can I have my animal back? And the guy says, fair enough, sure. He says, well, you're an IT specialist. And the guy says, well, that's right. How, how did you figure that out? And he says, well, first, you came here without being called. Second, you charged me a fee to tell me something I already knew. <laughs> and thirdly, you don't understand anything about my business. Now, can I have my dog back? <laughs> now, that, that's kind of how we are when it comes to shepherding. We, we don't have a whole grasp of, of what it means to be a shepherd, but I think we can nevertheless take away some of the things that Jesus has to say. And so, again, if you have uh, your copy of God's Word, then we're going to be looking at John chapter 10, and uh, beginning with, with verse 1. And so John says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as a father knows me, and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. 
I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Now, there again was a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now, we know that in Scripture that shepherding sheep, is a common theme. We see that both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament as well. For example, you're familiar with Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Uh, Psalm 79, uh, we are your people, the sheep of your flock. Psalm 80, hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. Psalm 100, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And the prophet Isaiah says that God's anointed, that is the coming Messiah, will feed his flock like a shepherd and he will gather the lambs in his arms and will carry them. So we see this imagery of sheep and shepherding and it's carried over into the New Testament as we see here in our focus passage today. Now in John's gospel, Jesus makes a number of statements about himself. And included in those statements are what are called the I am statements. And he makes seven I am statements that uh, refer to his own self-identification, his own self-consciousness. And he would say things like, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And in this passage that we've read today in John chapter 10, he makes two more statements. That is that I am the door and I am the good shepherd. And we're going to take a look at both of those statements, those self-identification statements, and uh, try to grasp what he meant by that and and what we can learn about our Lord from uh, this, this teaching today. So the first thing that we're going to take a look at is the statement that Jesus makes about himself, that I am the door. We see that in verse 7 and in verse 9. Now we want to take a couple of moments just to kind of grasp, again, the historical, the cultural background of the, this scene that's being played out. Now, we know that in the ancient world, again, uh, Shepherding sheep were a major part of the culture, a major part of their uh, religious um, uh, activities. Uh, sheep were sacrificed uh, as part of the sacrificial system there in, in ancient uh, uh, Israel. And uh, some of the things that we know, of course, is that um, uh, sheep are typically not known to be very intelligent beings. <laughs> And uh, they can find themselves wandering into running creeks, and they have no sense of direction, no uh, really uh, natural defenses. They're, they're helpless, and they need protection. They need guidance. And so that's what uh, the job of a shepherd was, is to provide that for them. And uh, a shepherd would lead them into green pastures, would lead them beside still waters, right? And, and so that was their role. Now, at night, though, as shepherds cared over their flocks, they would bring them typically either into town or into a a specific area, 
and uh, they would uh, bring them to what was called a sheepfold. And so a sheepfold was like this corral-like structure. Typically, it was made out of stones, and they often would put briars and thorns on top of the, of the walls, and this would prevent wild animals from crawling over and, and trying to destroy the sheep, or uh, honestly, even thieves that would want to come in and steal the sheep. And so uh, the shepherds, they would bring their sheep to the sheepfold. And uh, at night, then the sheep would go into the sheepfold, and Oftentimes, these sheepfolds were large enough that it would contain multiple flocks. Multiple shepherds would come. So they would uh, be cared for during the night, and then in the morning, the shepherd would show up again. And because of the relationship that the shepherd had with the sheep, he would call his sheep by name, and they knew the voice of the shepherd, and they would come out. And so there really wasn't any danger of the flocks being mixed up because of that. And so what Jesus is saying is that God has a, a sheepfold. And the only entrance into that sheepfold is through the door. God has a, a place of protection. He has a, a place of safety. He has a place of everlasting peace, a place where he is the mighty fortress for his people. And that fortress, like the sheepfold, has a door. And Jesus is that door. He's the only one that can give access into God's sheepfold. And so as we understand parables, and this is uh, in kind of a parabolic uh, form here, that parables often teaches about the kingdom. And so that's what Jesus is teaching, that God has a kingdom, and this kingdom has one entrance. And that is through the door who is Jesus himself. Now, the Pharisees, and we're going to see more about why this is important, but, but the Pharisees were always angry at Jesus. And they were astonished by this statement, I am sure, because if Jesus ever made a statement that was, uh, in our current culture, politically incorrect, it was this one. Because what Jesus is saying about himself is that the kingdom of God is exclusive. It is not all inclusive. The sheepfold doesn't have 15 different doors. It doesn't have 15 different ways to get in. There's only one door. Now, people today will tell you that there's many ways to God. Uh, you've probably seen, as I have, you'll drive and somebody will have a little bumper sticker, coexist, and it has all the images of, of all the different religions. And the idea is that there are many ways to God that uh, always uh, lead to the kingdom. It doesn't matter if you're a Buddhist, it doesn't matter if you're Hindu, it doesn't matter if you're a follower of Confucius or a Muslim or whatever, that all roads lead to God. But this is on a collision course with what Jesus is saying about himself. The New Testament clearly teaches that there's one mediator between God and man, that the flock of God has one shepherd, one door, and the only way into his sheepfold is through the one who is the door. And Jesus says that I am the door to the sheep. Now, honestly, we as Christians are going to be frowned upon because of that. And when we talk this way, it's not well received. But it is what Scripture teaches. 
And this is, the, again, the testimony of the apostles, the followers of Jesus, the ones that he had called to and sent out. Uh, Peter himself affirms as he is before the, the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4. He says, there's no other name under heaven through which men must be saved other than that name, referring to the name of Jesus. Jesus himself says, as I've already mentioned, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, we may have a culture that is arrogant enough to say, no, there should be many ways to God. But we need to remember again, Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And his teaching is that broader, wide is the way, easy is the way that leads to the sheepfold? No. Wide is the way that leads to destruction. And he says that many will go of that way. But Jesus said, narrow is the way, straight is the gate that leads to life, and few there be who find it. And so Jesus is saying that if you want to enter in, if you want to go to a place of safety, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you must come through me. He says in verse 9, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He'll go in. He'll go out. He'll go to the place of safety. He'll go out into green pastures. The thief, though, comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life. Life to the full. Life that is abundant. So Jesus is saying, I am the door. But the second thing that we, we see in this passage, Jesus is saying that I am the good shepherd. See that in verses 11 through 14? And in this section, Jesus is identifying himself as the good shepherd. Uh, this is, again, familiar image, one drawn from really his kingly ancestry. Uh, that is that Jesus is an ancestor of David. And David... Uh, you know, or may be familiar, was a shepherd before he was called to be king of Israel. David is the one who wrote the shepherd psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so the, the key to understanding what Jesus is saying here is uh, twofold. Number one, we need to understand the context. And understanding the context will help us to understand the contrast that Jesus is making. So the context is this, that Chapter 10, uh, Jesus is uh, sharing that he is the door, he is the good shepherd. In chapter 9, uh, what had happened prior to Jesus making these statements was that he had healed a man who had been born blind and gave him sight. Uh, it was a kind of a strange scenario there because the disciples come upon this man and ask Jesus who, who sinned, uh, this man or his parents that he should be born blind. And Jesus said, neither one. He was born blind so that the glory of God might be revealed and he heals him. And then that sets off then a controversy there in, in the temple. And that's where the Pharisees come in because rather than being joyful, rather than being so delighted that one of God's sheep had been miraculously healed, they, they turn it into a controversy. They, they turn it into a criticism. And it's in that context, then, that Jesus is making this contrast between being a good shepherd and, as we notice, in, uh, as we read, 
that of a hired hand. And so the implication is that Jesus is the good shepherd, but the Pharisees were serving like hired hands, like hirelings. And they, rather than shepherding and freeing the people and helping them to understand God, they were burdening them with legalistic interpretations and overbearing enforcements of the Mosaic law. And so here's Jesus. He's performed this miracle to free this man. And the Pharisees, rather than being joyful, stand in judgment. And uh, they ended up casting the blind man, who is now uh, a man who can see, out of the temple. And so it's here that Jesus says that I am the good shepherd. And he makes this convicting contrast. And he says that by implication, you are like the hired hands. And he points out the difference between a shepherd who owns the sheep, a shepherd who made his own personal livelihood from the sheep, and he was committed to the welfare of the sheep. But a hireling, a hired hand, was somebody that um, you, you would call to bring in for uh, a few hours. You had to go into town and take care of business, and you would call the hired hand and watch over my sheep while I'm gone, and I'll come back. And the, the hired hand, they didn't own the sheep. Uh, they had no affection for the sheep. They had no ultimate concern for the well-being of the sheep. And so at the first sign of trouble, uh, when the wild animal would, would come, when the thief would come, they turned tail and run. Because they, they were just making a, uh, an hourly wage. They didn't care about the sheep. And so the Pharisees, who, again, should have been rejoicing over the fact that a man born blind has received his sight, were now doubling down and they were, uh, again, bringing uh, to bear these, this legalistic burden uh, and interpretation uh, of the law. And so Jesus is making this contrast. He said, you're not like the good shepherd who loves the sheep. You're more like the hired hands. You're all about yourself. It's all about you. But Jesus says, that's not who I am. I'm the good shepherd, and I love the sheep. I defend the sheep, even to the death. Jesus here, of course, is anticipating the cross. In, in verses 11 and verse 15, he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. This isn't the only time that Jesus uses that language in the New Testament, but four times here in this passage that we've read, he says that he will lay down his life for the sheep. And what we can learn then about his death is, is fourfold. Number one, the fact that he lays down his life, that his death is sacrificial. He says, I lay down my life. When the sheep are threatened, rather than running, he's willing to die in order to save them, in order to protect them. It costs him something. The second thing we see here is that it's substitutionary. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep, on behalf of the sheep. Now, usually in the sacrificial system of the Jewish faith, the sheep serve as the blood sacrifice for the shepherd, for the people. But uniquely, Jesus is saying that he is now going to be the sacrifice for the sheep. Paul says that in his letter to, Philippi, or to the Corinthians, 
1 Corinthians 15, 3, he says, I delivered to you, which was of first importance, and he's referring to the gospel, that Jesus died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and raised from the dead, according to the scriptures. So Jesus' death is not just a tragedy, it has purpose, it has meaning. He says, I lay down my life sacrificially for the sheep, substitutionary. And then third is voluntary. Verse 18, no one takes it from me. He says, I'm laying down my life. Nobody takes it from me. I'm laying it down of my own accord. Now, you may remember when you think of the picture of the cross, the description of crosses, Jesus is hanging on the cross and he's between the two thieves. He's nailed up there. And the people were taunting him. They were saying things like, you saved yourself. Now save, or you saved others. Now save yourself and come down off that cross. And the scripture reveals to us that, and even Jesus says that, I could call a legion of angels. And he could have. Even at that very moment, they could have come down from heaven and, and wiped out everybody who was at the foot of the cross and brought him down off that cross. But he chose to stay there. It was voluntary. He didn't have to die, but he chose to die in order to save us. His death was not for his benefit, but for ours. It was voluntary. And then finally, it was victorious. Because he says, I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. But I have received this power and this authority from the Father. And so the overall benefit is this, that Jesus is able to save us. He's able to protect and to preserve his flock. He is the good shepherd who knows his sheep by name, and his sheep know his voice. Now, not everybody who hears his voice, though, is a part of his flock. We see here in verse 19 through 21 at the end of this section that there's a controversy, there's division that broke out among the, the people who have just listened to Jesus make these claims about being the door and being the good shepherd. And some are saying that, uh, Jesus is somebody who's demon-possessed. And others are saying, well, how can somebody who is demon-possessed heal the blind? So there was confusion and division over who the person Jesus is. And that confusion and that division remains even to today. If you were to go out and do kind of a man-on-the-street uh, interview, you would get all kinds of different opinions about who really is Jesus. My question simply for you today is what say you? To you, who is Jesus? Um, <clears throat> not too long ago, uh, you know, during the COVID when everybody was, you know, just uh, in their homes and had nothing better to do but watch television, right? <laughs> so one of the shows that, that Ginger and I watched was uh, Clarkson Farm. Uh, Jeremy Clarkson uh, is a TV personality in, in uh, Britain, and uh, this particular show is a, a story, a journey of him buying, uh, I think, a thousand acres there in England, and 
he's never been a farmer, and so you're, you're watching this guy trying to figure out how to, to work his farm. And you see him, you know, um, planting crops and trying to harvest crops and uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, either too much rain or drought, and uh, there's all kinds of things that, that take place in him trying to be a successful farmer. And uh, a lot of humor in it because he's just kind of a humorous guy. And, uh, but one of the things that he attempts is raising sheep. And so he buys a, a number of sheep and he, he tries to, to raise them and tries to lead them and learn a little bit about shepherding. And you watch him and he's trying to you know, guide the sheep into another field and they're not paying attention. They're jumping over his walls and they're breaking down his walls. And you, you try to see, uh, you know, the, the breeding and the birthing of, of uh, the, the flock. And uh, it's hilarious him trying to, to do that. And then it comes to a place where they need to, to shear uh, the sheep. And uh, he takes his hand at it and he just gets bit and kicked. And, and so he hires other people to come and, and to do that. And uh, it finally dawns on him that this is a losing proposition. Uh, he has help, you know, throughout the, the show. And uh, one of the, the guys is uh, kind of his accountant and helps him to figure out the, the cost. And, and uh, so he asked him, he said, how much, you know, is it uh, costing me to have somebody share these sheep? And I think it was like, you know, a buck 90. He says, well, you know, once the, the, the sheep is, is shorn and you have the fleece, how much is the fleece worth? He said, about 40 cents. He said, so it's costing me $1.50 per sheep. And he said, yeah, that's about right. And, and so, you know, at the end of the day, he's kind of musing over, you know, this investment. And he recognizes just how, how poor of an investment it really is. But he makes a statement. He said, you know, I just like having these sheep around. So even though it was costing him, and even though uh, they bit back and they didn't follow him, he loved the sheep. And I thought, this is just a, really a, a great modern-day illustration. Then I wonder that as, as Jesus looks at us as the sheep, and how we don't always follow and how sometimes we bite back. That Jesus says, you know, you all are costly. But I just love having you around. So Jesus is calling for more people to be a part of his flock. And I'm wondering today, have you heard that call? Have you heard his voice today? The Bible tells us, Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, every one, to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. A reference to what Jesus would come and do. The gospel message is this. That we may think that we are smart and self-sufficient, but we're not. We're all like sheep. We can be dumb and ignorant, we can be stubborn, and we definitely are helpless. We're helpless to save ourselves. We need a shepherd. We need a savior. And the good news is that God, by his grace, has provided for us a way to be saved, to become a part of his sheepfold. 
He provided a door for us to enter in. And he provided a good shepherd to lead us into an abundant life. My question is, do you know the good shepherd? Have you entered by the door today? He's calling. Are you willing to follow? Are you willing to heed his voice today? Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you and we just thank you that you have given us a good shepherd, that you provided for us a way to enter into the kingdom, a way to enter into the sheepfold. And that way is through the door. And Jesus is the door. And I'm thankful that, Lord, it's in your grace that you even allow a door to be provided. And I'm thankful today that you are the good shepherd who loves the sheep, who's willing to, to lay down your life for the sheep. And we're thankful today that you not only call us, but you save us, you protect us, you secure us into the fold. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that uh, is among us or listening, that Lord uh, has never responded to that call today, that today would be the day they would call out to Jesus to be Savior and Lord, to follow Him. So Lord, thank You again for Your grace and Your mercy. We give You all the praise. We give You all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at thegrovekc.com for more ways to connect with us and join us again next week for another podcast from The Grove Church. Have a great day. Thank you.